Hey, you're listening to the Dangerous Jobs Podcast. My name is Apollonia Rockwell, and I'll be your host as we dive deep into conversations with business owners, safety experts, and boots on the ground from hazardous work sites around the country to learn what it really takes to make safety achievable in dangerous industries. On this show, we love talking about company culture, total worker safety, and greatness in the workplace. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dangerous Jobs Podcast. I'm your host, Apollonia Rockwell. We have Daniel Yates out of Austin, Texas with us here today, and today we're making things work. I am obviously holding my phone during this podcast, so if my video looks off, that's why we're just making this work today, but I'm I'm super excited to have a really special guest with us today. Daniel is, has dedicated so much time, energy, focus um, of his dedicated to the blue collar worker, dedicated to highlighting the blue collar worker. And why I'm so fired up to talk about it today is because, as you guys know, we're a safety company. We're out of Colorado and we specialize in safety training and consulting. And we have so many listeners that are safety professionals or maybe they're business owners or supervisors, maybe new to the position. Um, and they don't, I think the biggest thing with safety is that we don't all the time understand who we're serving. And that's exactly what Daniel specializes in. So Daniel, welcome. And how has your morning been so far? Thanks for having me. Uh, my morning's been pretty good. It's uh, been been uneventful. We have a four month old here at home, and so uh, uneventful is good. Yeah, <laughs> but it's been fun. It's been fun for sure. Absolutely. How has we were talking about that offline uh, with your four month old first baby, baby boy, four month old, mm-hmm. and uh, how has that? How has that rocked your world these last four months? And how has it, if any at all, has affected what you do work-wise, your perspective? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's definitely required a bit of like a schedule adjustment and figure out, you know, what, what works for our family a little bit more and a little bit more communication, yeah. a little bit more of this, you know, um, Same. Oh my God. <laughs> but yes. yeah, it's been, it's been really good. He's, he's an easy baby. What about, I mean, has becoming a father, has that changed how you view safety at all? I mean, has that viewed how you change just your perspective and in life and what you yeah what you do in that sense yeah I think that's a good question I think that it's definitely changed my perspective and everything like just looking at you know every, every new thing that I do is something that at some point you know I think about okay I might introduce my kid to this or you know my kid might come across this one day and um in regards to safety yeah I mean at, for for me, my my goal, my focus, my north star is to make blue collar people feel seen, valued, and heard. Yeah, um, yeah. And so it's it's really humanizing them, and having you know a little kiddo at home is is just a step, I think, on top of that of like humanizing you you know from from 
birth to, you know, the 60, 70 year old people that I meet out in the field, you know, everybody is important along the way, uh, regardless of where they're at. And so. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that makes so much sense. And that connects to what I wanted to start talking to you about is just one, you, you just mentioned highlighting the blue collar worker, um, making sure that they feel valued, heard and seen. And so what does that mean to you? How did you even get how did you even get here? Tell us your story. You're the professional storyteller. And I want to hear the professional storyteller's story on how you got to this position. And again, guys, I just, I really can't emphasize enough that getting into safety, you know, just thinking about the new safety professional and maybe the nerves that come along with that. And the biggest tip that I could give somebody on how to be impactful and make change at your workplace is by understanding who you're serving. And I think that's where we missed the mark. I think that when I, I got into the safety industry, that was the thing I, I noticed most was that there's a huge disconnect in safety professionals. I know you've seen this, Daniel, safety professionals and the workers the actual boots on the ground. Why do workers hate safety? Why do workers hate the safety professional? Um, and uh, I think when you can understand who you're serving is when everything will change for you. So, Daniel, that's what leads me to bring me to this of where's where did your journey start and how did you get into this whole industry and what makes you so passionate about highlighting the blue collar worker? Yeah, so it was kind of a, a a winding road to get here. I so I have zero blue blue collar background. I don't have an uncle in construction. My dad was a data analyst. My mom was a stay at home mom. Like, yeah, no no idea. You know, the first thing about the construction world or, or anything like that. Um, you know, my only experience was you know being frustrated like in traffic with with road <laughs> construction. You know, yeah, which is yeah. I think the average person's experience. Yes, um, yep. and so kind of the the short story is that I started a video production company right out of high school. Um, And then a few years in, I was reached out to by a local civil construction company here in the Austin area. Um, And we went ahead and did a video project for them. And the first time I was on site um, it was my first time on any construction site ever, right? You know, I'm, I've got the these brand spanking new yes. <laughs> steel toe boots from Walmart, whatever the cheapest thing they've got, right? I've got the Bob yeah. the Builder hard hat going and the brand spanking new oversized orange safety vest, right? Yes. And, um, <laughs> yeah. I just remember pulling up to the site and they're building a subdivision, right? Um, and, and it's all of the civil work. So it's utilities, it's earth moving, it's the big ass machines and, you know, all the, the stuff that I think people drive by, but don't really pay mind to. Yeah. Uh, but I was walking onto this site and I remember just being absolutely blown away. Um, but this happens right under society's nose, like, like your, your water, being able to flush your toilet, your house, not flooding, being able to drive down the road all happens because of, you know, what they were doing on this site because yeah. of blue collar people who were working their asses off. Yeah. Um, and so I just remember being blown away by the sheer, you know, magnitude of the project, like how large it was and it happening just right there, right. You know, 10 minutes from the house that I grew up in. Yes. Um, and 
the, the second thing for me was obviously the equipment is badass. It was you know, a cool experience to get up close to some of the big yellow iron. And yeah. I had never had any experience like that before. Uh, but the third thing and the biggest thing for me, and to this day, the biggest thing uh, was the people. And that was, I, I grew up, you know, we'll call it white collar, right? And I didn't have parents telling me to look down on, you know, blue collar folks or anything like that. But just societally, there's this narrative that if you work in the blue collar world, you, you know, didn't go to college or you ran out of options or maybe you're down on your luck or, you know, maybe you're kind of just a a dirty kind of person. Like that's just the reality of what society kind of tells us about blue collar people. And it's just ingrained in most people. And I, I don't know why. But that's just the the general outlook that people have on blue collar workers. And my experience from day one and on, it's been four years now, is totally the opposite of the societal, you know, narrative, you know. Absolutely. Um, the yeah. people who are working out on the job site are salt of the earth people. Ninety five percent of them are awesome people, like just absolutely like would would give you the shirt off their back after talking to them for 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's crazy. Like the people that you meet out there nine times out of 10 going to be nicer than the person that you meet in your, in your <laughs> office meeting, you know? Um, I agree. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is because they have so much relationship and connectivity. Like they actually interact with each other a lot. They're not just sitting behind a computer, sending emails. Like they have to communicate, they have to talk, they have to do stuff like that. And they have these bonding experiences where they're doing hard, difficult work. Um, and I think, I, I just think that's really neat. Um, but, but basically from that day forward, my vision and my North star became to make blue collar people feel seen, valued and heard Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they do really important work. It's really hard work and nobody thanks them for it. Nobody does. Absolutely. And so fast forward to to today, I'm, you know, we do websites, social media, uh, photo and video content for good blue collar companies who care about their people and want to show off. Uh, show off their workers so that they can help attract and then retain the right people for their culture. That last piece is key. And you know what? I, I've never heard it framed the way you did right now. Um, talking about how boots on the ground, that community has to become masters of communication and that there is a brotherhood or a sense of there's a, I'm sure you walk on any job site and you sense community in a sense where that crew, that group of people, they've been working on a project together. They see each other more than they see their family, but they're doing hard work together. And it's different than an office. It's different than um, it's just hard to explain it, but there is a sense of community out there that I know you sense and feel and and I think it comes from the experiences that they're, you know, that they're going through together. And there's a lingo and there's, you know, so much to it. But I think it's really, really special um, of giving these people voices, right? You're talking about giving workers voices because a lot of the time workers don't, they are not appreciated in in the work, the hard work that they do. Um, so I think that that's really, really cool. What's one thing 
And then, and, and then your work helping showcase that. I think that that's awesome and highlighting that for people. Cause it is hard to, you know, it's hard to communicate that. But so what about when you started working with these clients or you started building up your clientele, you're helping them market, you're helping them tell their story through social media, through, you know, video and pictures and, and things like that. But what are some of the things that you've learned while walking these job sites too? I mean, have there been any, you know, any aha moments aside from the, mm. you know, the obvious, but yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think there's been tons. I think the, the coolest thing about the blue collar world is that there's endless things to learn. You know, yeah. you, you can, yeah. you can master, you know, for, for me, like you can master, photos, not that I'm there, but you can master being a photographer and learning all the settings and how to properly edit stuff and properly tell a visual story. I think you can kind of master that. Mm -hmm. You can go on to learn video and things like that, but there's kind of a cap at some point on what you're going to learn. And and in the blue collar world, it's like, there's no end (laughs) because there's no, there's no set way to do things. Yes. Uh, There's no, like, there's no textbook on how to lay pipe the perfect way mm-hmm. it depends on where you are in the country how you're going to do it it depends on what type of soils you're working with it depends on you know the experience of the foreman and what they learned how to do from their foreman before them because the training is almost non-existent you know yeah um and so i think the, the one of the big things for me is is that is um just that there's so much to learn mm-hmm. and it's, it saddens me that more people don't consider going into the trades or into the blue collar world Yeah, uh, because I think a lot of people would be so much happier there than behind a desk. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking as somebody who sits behind a desk, probably 80% of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And I completely understand where you're coming from having so much family, family, friends in, in this line of work. It's the only thing, you know, that's what I grew up knowing and and uh my dad worked in the oil and gas industry for i mean his whole life since he was a teenager and um so yeah all that really resonates with me and so one thing too i'm really interested to to pick your mind about is the stories that you've come across and the challenges maybe more of the pain points that that workers are experiencing today and so when you're out here capturing a story when you're out in the field for a client of yours. So let's say a a typical construction company and this construction company is like, they, they, they hire you out. They want you to tell their brand story and audience. What that really means is showcasing our people's story, you know, our brand story, our people's story. And so when you're out there and you're interviewing um, these men and women that are working day in and day out on these on these difficult projects. What are the challenges and the pain points of these workers that you're that's maybe like a reoccurring theme or you see you see come across a lot? Yeah, man, there's there's a lot. Um, I think yeah. as an industry the construction world kind of tends to lag behind a lot of other industries. And so there's a lot of, a lot of things where you see whether it's younger people coming in or people coming in from an, another career path. Mm-hmm. And they're like, dude, we don't have a, a laid out training program. We don't have a clear path for 
you know, how do, how do I move up either vertically or horizontally in the company? Yeah. We don't have, you know, more than just, you know, a foreman saying you'll, you'll get your turn one day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh like, my gosh. That's I so think, true. I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the, one of the biggest pain points is, is ultimately no path for growth um, or okay. no investment in, in personal and professional growth. Um, you know, they come to work and, and they come to work and they get paid which is awesome. And you make decent, you make decent money in the mm-hmm. construction world if you're working for the right, the right people in the right trade. Um, but I think the big thing is just that you come, they come to work and, and they could have such a huge sense of purpose mm-hmm. if they had the right motivators involved, right? If they had mm-hmm. buy-in from leadership to teach them new skills and train them more, or if they had um, something to work towards, like the, you know, becoming a, the operator on the next piece of equipment up, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, so I think, I think really not having buy-in from leadership mm-hmm. um, is one of those big things. And I think we see that happen because there's this cycle of workers coming in, being kind of used up by the company, not being invested in, and then leaving for, you know, 50 cents or a dollar more to the next company and repeating. Yeah. And yeah. so the leadership says, oh, well, it's not worth our time or our money to invest in these people because they're just going to leave. Yeah. Well, if you don't invest in the people, if you don't, if you don't start, it will never change. They will yeah. always leave because you're not taking care of them. And the only thing they're coming to work for is the dollar. Um, but if you give them something else to show up to work for, then they're not leaving for that extra dollar because they realize that you have buy-in for them. You want them to grow and you know accelerate in their career or you want them to be trained and learn more. And I think we see that in any kind of training or any type of type of, you know, growth in in any role in the companies really. Um, it's just a lack of support because everybody is focused on let's build shit, but they don't necessarily understand how to develop and build yeah. teams. Yeah. Oh my gosh. For some, this is so interesting. I've never interviewed somebody that it, you know, wasn't born and raised, so to say in the industry, but to hear your perspective from a marketing perspective, from the outsider's perspective that comes in and is looking at, looking at this world with fresh eyes. It is so interesting, Daniel, to hear you say that because you're spot on, like you, you are spot on that this industry, most Gosh, wow. I mean, whether it be construction, trucking, manufacturing, oil and gas, there's a lot of, um, and I sense this too, there's a, there's a rut that team members fall into because I'm, where's the growth? Like, okay, I get that we're building homes. I get that we're building a pad, but what's, but what's next? And I think that personal development is lacking. When I think of personal development, I think of, you know, the leadership groups that I'm in or the, you know, the conferences that I get to go to and stuff like that. But for your average day-to-day person, there isn't a lot of, I don't hear that a lot. I don't hear of personal development in the construction industry or oil and gas industry. Um, as much as, oh, and there goes my light for the background here, but we'll just keep rolling. But no, I think that that's really, really special. And if you're a safety professional listening to this, again, understanding who you're serving, the worker, understanding what motivates them, what they're passionate about and what their pain points are, are going to make you 
are going to make you even more impactful. So Daniel, that's, that's huge is that, Hey, what some of the challenges that you're seeing is that there aren't personal development classes or there's not um, investment into team members. And so doing those things are going to help you build a stronger, more loyal team. And so I think that that's really cool. And so what are some other challenges that you've seen? So maybe not a, a lot of training, a lot of personal development, a roadmap to success in a company. Um, and then what about the worker themselves? What else are they struggling with today that mm. you really see? Mm. That's, that's a great question. I mean, everybody, everybody has their battles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of the time, if you, if you look at the culture that the blue collar world has, it's, it's dating back to, you know, the, the start of, you know, the, the construction world in the, in the United States, if, if we'll go with that. Right. Um, it's, it's always been this very tough guy mentality, like starting out back in, back in the beginning when they were building roads with like, they'd bring out a hundred guys with shovels, you know, and, yeah, and then yeah. eventually somebody built, you know, the first machine to kind of start moving, moving earth and stuff like that. Like the culture has in the industry has always been this very tough guy, like no, no bullshit. Like go get your, go get yours, you know, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. go work Matter your ass off, takes. get paid. And that's what you get. Um, and that's great because that's, what's gotten to us to where we are today in society. Like the society is built on the back of the blue collar worker yeah. and the, the men and women who have literally worked their asses off for not much in the past. Mm-hmm. The reality that we need to sit with today, though, is that we have a shrinking workforce and that we've moved and progressed so much as a society because of what the construction industry has done. That now the construction industry needs to step up and match society in terms of how they are treating people and how people um, are being are are really feeling feeling within the industry, because ultimately how you feel where you're working is going to dictate whether you stay there or not. Yeah. One thing that I tell companies a lot is that you don't have the oper- you don't have the option to leave the industry, but your employees do. And how yeah. you treat them dictates whether they're going to even stay in the blue collar world because yeah. they will leave. They'll leave. They'll go and work at Starbucks. They'll go and work at Target. They'll go and work in a, you know, in a, in a role somewhere in an office, you know, for for another firm. And we have to be mindful of that with a shrinking workforce that not only do we have a shrinking workforce, but we have an outdated system. Yeah. And what that creates is it creates um, kind of, kind of this, this echo chamber where, you know, a lot of leadership has grown up or, or been around this, this mindset of being very you know tough and, and going to work every day just for your paycheck and then being okay with just that no more mm-hmm. purpose, no more benefits, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that those companies aren't, you know, kind of adding things and recognizing that they need to do more. So I don't want to, I don't want to just talk negatively about it, yeah. but I think what's happening is there are things that are being ignored that are really important. Mm-hmm. Like let's, let's go down the road road of mental health, right? Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about that mm-hmm. while we're talking about safety. If you want to talk about safety, don't just look at your TRIR. I want to, I want to talk about the construction being the number one industry for suicides. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Like, think about that. If you care about how safe your people are truly, not just from a numbers perspective, not just from an insurance perspective or a bidding job perspective, yeah. look at how your people are actually doing. Mm-hmm. How is their home life? How does their work affect their home life? Mm-hmm. How are they doing mentally? And how do, how can you actually affect good change in their the state of their mental health, whether that's providing tools and resources and really helping people understand those tools and resources, not just saying, hey, which, which I think this is great, but not just saying, hey, you know, you have access to some counseling services through your insurance, but actually sitting down with the people and saying, hey, counseling isn't isn't uh isn't lame you know it's not yeah, it's not yeah. something that you know is is for weak people mm-hmm. you know like i myself i struggle with anxiety and depression mm-hmm. have for a long time since i was a since i was a kid mm-hmm. um i go to counseling every single week i go to therapy every single week yeah and it i'm on i'm on antidepressant meds not everybody is for those things but i think that these companies, you know, we can, we can talk to people and help them understand the benefits and the risks of those things and understand that, Hey, just because you go talk to a therapist doesn't mean you're weak. Yeah. Just because you share with your coworker what's actually going on in your life and and what's actually going on in your head Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you're weak. Mm -hmm. And I think also training as a basic necessity, just like you would for CPR, just like you would for, you know, your OSHA stuff, right. Training people how to recognize mental health, you know, mental health uh, problems kind of in their coworkers yeah. and, and ask the questions that need to be asked. And also how to do basic mental health first aid, if you will, like, yeah. uh, you know, how to have a hard conversation and not just like brush it off or, you know, say, hey, rub some dirt on it. Hope you're hope you're OK, you know, Absolutely. Uh, but actually being somebody that can be talked to and can listen. Um, you know, I think those are some things that people are struggling with to answer your question. Those are some things people are struggling with in the construction world. The numbers show, the numbers show it. They do. They do. And I'm like exploding over here with questions and I want to be like, yes, this is, Oh my gosh. Like you're speaking, you're speaking such truth, Daniel. And you're, and you're really resonating with everything that I'm currently seeing focused on working on hearing from um, clients hearing from workers for these clients is you're exactly, you are so spot on. It's scary that first and foremost, the average person today, the average blue collar worker today has more options. They have more options. And you're right. People can say, screw this. I'm going to target to also make 25 an hour. (laughs) So we have to be cognizant of creating an exciting, healthy, fun culture as much as possible, even in an industry like construction. We can't we can't separate the two anymore. That construction is just going to be rough and tough and uh, no days off and, you know, work until, you know, that, that mentality, that old school mentality of what construction work was, oil and gas work was 20 years ago has changed, has to change to accommodate the average team member now and nowadays. So you're hundred percent right there. And then number two, the culture, if you know, everybody listening, our, our audience, it doesn't matter the title, but I feel like our audience that are, that are listening today, whether they're safety owner, uh, again, superintendent management, we're all looking to up and increase 
the the level of culture and the level of experience that our employees are are, are facing. So I don't really believe in a safety culture because I don't that doesn't really make sense. It's just there is no safety culture. There's just a a company culture, and so um, these are all tactics that you just shared. Anybody listening that's looking to take their company culture to the next level, you just shared the secrets to that is understanding your understanding your worker. What does that mean? What I heard you say was um, not only focused on throwing programs. I love how you said that. Not just throwing programs at your at your employees feet saying, "Hey, like insurance, you know, can provide some counseling." But no, what does that really mean? What does it look like and what's the um stigma if somebody were to, you know, inquire about those maybe new things is the first time somebody's inquiring about counseling or or uh, mental health first aid is something that's so important that companies are I feel like are barely barely getting into or you know if they barely know about that so um i think that that's beautiful anything else daniel i i want to i want to wrap up with the end user in mind the blue collar worker um is there anything else that we could be focused on if somebody's listening and they're trying to take their company culture to the next level and they're just really struggling to understand maybe. Um, let's see here. There we go. <laughs> still went, still went flag, but the audio is still going. Is there anything else <laughs> that, um, any advice that you would give safety professionals or somebody just trying to, um, take their culture to the next level? Yeah. Um, I think, I think you have to, you have to really address the office field disconnect. It's prevalent throughout the entire industry. Yeah. There is this unspoken divide that heaven forbid we talk about it between the office and the field. The office sticks with the office, the field sticks with the field and the field feels like they are being, you know, they're not, they feel like they don't, they feel like the office is getting paid way more than they are and that they're just doing the work so the office can get paid. And the office is sitting here, you know, and they don't understand necessarily how they need to communicate to, yeah. to create, you know, to make these jobs work, how they need to communicate with the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't necessarily understand what the field is experiencing, what they're feeling when they're out there, yeah. doing, you know, when, when the, when the project manager who, you know, doesn't have field experience and came out of college and went straight into project management, mm-hmm. when they call and say, Hey, why isn't this getting done? If they don't understand and they're not spending time out in the field with their people mm-hmm. and they don't understand the difficulties that they're running into and why they can't meet, you know, X, you know, production a day or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Right. Um, then, of course there's going to be this disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the biggest thing, the biggest thing that you can do as a company, if you want to understand your, your blue collar workers is you need to get your office people in the field on a regular basis. Yeah. That's a oh, simple, that's, that's a simple, it, it, and I know it's, I know they have a lot to do, but figure out how to factor that in yeah. to your profit. 
margins because yeah, mm-hmm. it will make you more profitable at the end of the day. If you want to look at it from a profit, a cost, a, you know, a cost benefit perspective, yeah, yeah, that's going to make you more profitable because there's going to be a better understanding on both sides of the table. And then inversely, figure out how you can put together a program or some training or something that helps the field understand what the hell it is the office is doing for them. Yes. Because you can't have one without the other. Yeah. And yeah. everybody knows that, but oftentimes the person in the field does not understand fully what the office is doing. They know they know generally what their superintendent's doing. They know generally what a project manager might be doing, but they don't know how HR is helping them. They don't know how the CFO mm-hmm. is you know, keeping, you know, keeping track of the jobs. They don't understand necessarily, you know, if they're doing, if they have to do reporting on, you know, all these things throughout the day, let's say a foreman has to, you know, report production numbers and report, you know, all, all of these uh, metrics, you know, each day. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand why they have to report that or how that helps the profitability of the company. And then how the profitability of the company affects them and their people mm-hmm. for, for good if they're, they're profitable or for mm-hmm. bad if they're not profitable. That, those are the things that need to be understood by the field. Yeah. Because the office already kind of gets the picture. They're all together. They're all buddy-buddy. Field's all buddy-buddy. Mm-hmm. You're exactly At the end right. of the day, what it, what it looks like is the office, is, it, the office actually has the power and the control to make those changes. So it's on you if you work in the office to go out to the field. It's on you to build relationships with people in the field because the people in the field, there's already this disconnect and this wall that they're feeling. Yeah, yeah. They already feel maybe not lesser than, but they feel like they aren't in with your group. And it's your job to do the reaching over. Yeah. And it's going to make your job easier and it's going to make your company more profitable. And I, I think that's what you, I think as a, as a company in the blue collar world, that's the first problem you need to solve. Whether that's bringing breakfast tacos out and chatting with people once a week, you know, having a couple people from the office come out and alternating, or mm-hmm. if it's, you know, having somebody tying into the benefits thing we were talking about earlier with, mm-hmm. you know, mental health, like, having somebody from the office come out and actually sit down with people and explain to them what they have going with their benefits and help them understand how they can make the most of them. Like simple things that take time, but not that much time. Yeah. Yeah. That can really, really, really make long-term change because if you're looking at this as, as a, Oh man, my, I can't, you know, I, I can't let my project manager spend that much time in the field or, Oh, I can't the CFO heaven forbid that, they aren't in the office crunching numbers or, you know, in meetings, right? Mm-hmm. This isn't something that just pays off over the course of a year when you look at your profit and loss for the yeah. year. Yeah. This is something that makes a difference long term. Mm-hmm. This is something that you build a culture over two years and it takes you over into the next decade, the next two decades. And so that's my advice. I could ramble on and on, but that's oh, my advice. My gosh, Daniel, you're so wise. That is beautiful advice. That is key. I mean, there's, there's so many, um, learning lessons in this episode. I would encourage you to re-listen. I know I'm going to be going back and re-listening to this, but I mean, that, that's, you're speaking a lot of facts there and whether it comes down to billing, spending some time in, in the field and vice versa, that level of trust, that level of exposure. I mean, the guys in the field, the girls in the field, maybe they've never met like, you know, 
why why am I being hassled for this 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 report? But if if they were to see the reasoning why, and if and if the office team were to see the challenges, the working environments, um, and they were to actually see it themselves, I think you're right. It would open up so. It would open up so much as far as perspective and respect both ways from office to field. And, um, you know, gosh, I just feel like this whole the whole theme of today's conversation has really been how to connect deeper um, with your team members, with your coworkers, with your employees, because um Goodness gracious. Yeah. You, you talked, you talked a lot about that. So I just, Daniel, I want to honor you and appreciate you for your time today. And I just, I'm so excited guys. I'm going to link, we're going to link Daniel's, um, it, uh, We'll, we'll link all your social media, but you're linked in guys with over 22,000 followers. Daniel's doing something right. Um, how he communicates the story, how he communicates, um, uh, a picture, an environment, a culture is, is I've never, I've never seen it done like how you do. Um, so head on over to his LinkedIn page if you're interested and we'll link your contact information. If you're interested in, in any of Daniel's work, um, you'll be able to contact him directly, but thank you so much, Daniel. Um, I really appreciate it. And I'll let you get back to that four month old <laughs> is in the background. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Apollonia. Thanks for having me on, and uh, thanks for all that you're doing to help companies work safe and treat the people uh, the way that they should. I, I really appreciate that. It aligns with my mission as well. So Absolutely. anything we can do to help blue-collar people feel seen, valued, and heard, I'm all for. Awesome. Talk to you guys next time. Thank you for listening.